Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we try to deliver is a conversation that is less than fascinating so that you, our listeners, can feel free to just chill, relax, drift off, and not have a care. Because we will have all the cares for you as we discuss our topic. Joining me today is Amanda Barker. Welcome. I can't wait to discuss today's topic, and thank you. Uh, One of our topics, or the topic that we're going to explore today, was given to us by one of our listeners. Before I mention the topic, I want to say I received an email that one of our listeners in the UK really loved the Earl Grey episode that was done a few years back. And uh, that listener said that they were drinking the Russian Earl Grey. Russian Earl Grey. Yeah. So I've never heard of that. I kind of looked into it. I know that there's Lady Earl Grey. Oh, right. And then there's the regular Earl Grey with the bergamot. And the Russian Earl Grey has bitter orange and lemon and th- and a citrus that's added to the bergamot and the orange Picot tea. What's the female version of an Earl? Um, a countess? I, I don't know. An Earlette? No. Erlina? Or maybe it's just Earl. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think Earl is a is a title for for a female. I don't know. Well, we'll and have to look into that. We'll look. We'll look into that. That'll be another episode. But today we're going to explore an episode that was given to us by one of our patrons on Patreon, and that is flower arranging and flowers and bouquets. So, Amanda, you're excited about this topic. Of course, don't be too excited. But what intrigues you about, let's say, flower arranging? Well, I've always loved flowers. Um, I think a lot of people love flowers. What's not to love, right? Mm -hmm. But as a little girl, my mom used to take me out pretty routinely into the garden. And so some of my first and sweetest memories with her before I was old enough to go to school was going into that little stretch of dirt at springtime And she would show me all the different buds and beginnings of different flowers that were coming up depending on the month and the season. So I still have that. I feel like I'm a four-year-old when I see that first peak of a crocus or a tulip coming through the ground. So wonderful. Um, Your mother has such a beautiful garden and loves to uh, display her flower arrangements, her floral arrangements that she just clips in her home 
in Florida and puts on various tables, the kitchen table and whatnot, and they're always so gorgeous. We still do that, in fact. So we have that same tradition, her and I. Whenever I visit her in Florida, she'll take me out into the garden and show me what's coming up, what made it through a season, what's coming back, what's not doing so great, those types of things. And she'll point out and name every single flower in there. And she does. She's pretty wonderful with flower arranging. She has always clipped her own flowers, put them into various vases. One thing that she does really well is she makes a great use of the bud vase or vase. Do you say vase or vase? I, I don't know. Um, I think I say vase. Is there a preference for this? No, not at all. I started out with vase, so I guess I'll just keep saying it. Whatever comes out, comes out. Right. Um, and, of course, my parents are American, so they probably say, I think they say vase and vase, though. But sure. Anyway, so a bud vase is really wonderful because you don't need a whole bunch of flowers. One, two, or three little clippings will make a beautiful and kind of graceful arrangement. What's your favorite flower to put in a bud vase? Currently, a tulip. Okay. Yeah, we in fact have one in our bedroom, a little pink clear bud vase that I actually also got in Florida at an auction, in fact. And uh, it's just a little simple thing, but I have a white tulip in there that's really pretty. If people are wondering why all these topics seem a little familiar, it's because Dan Barker is your father, and I'll often uh, record episodes when we are in Florida mm-hmm. um, with him. And I think we did one on auctions. And if we haven't, I'll have to do one with your father because, no, I'm pretty certain we did one about auctions and the best way to sort of approach an auction. He used to work at an auction house. And uh, the only auction I've been to, I went with him and I just bid on a box of things. I got a box of things for $10. Right. And I was bidding on it to get a clock for your sister for her birthday. In the shape of a crab. My sister's born in July, so anything we can get that represents the astrological sign of cancer crab, we try to get her. Even though I don't think she loves it, that's sort of my my pleasure to do that. Your homage to her. Yeah. Crab thinks. Yeah. So she didn't have a crab clock yet. That was one. She has <laughs> pot does? holders. She has uh, crab uh, dip plate, necklace, earrings. Keychain. Christmas ornament. Yes. You name it, we've gotten it. But I saw this clock, so I bid on that. I got it for $10, but in the box was this really sweet little pink bud vase or vase. And so I thought it looked really sweet in our our bedroom next to the pink salt lamp. Nice. Yeah. And let me ask you this. How important is the vessel for you when you do flower arranging? I think it's really important. Okay. You can't underestimate it. It The shape really determines how long you cut the stems and how you group the stems and also maybe what types of flowers you want to choose to put into that vase. So for example, in a bud vase, you wouldn't put a hydrangea, which is a sort of big, puffy, snowball-esque kind of plant. You would put a single flower, like a tulip. Of course, a rose is beautiful. But you could also group one or two flowers in a bud vase, and it's very elegant that way, even a a branch. Could you put, like, let's say you have a plant, and it's starting to go a little bit wild, and you need to cut it back, like a monstera. Could you take a a single monstera um, leaf and put it in a bud vase? A monstera leaf 
which for those who aren't sure what that is, is almost like a palm leaf, a big palm leaf. And when they get of a certain size, they split. So it's that sort of split-looking palm leaf. The but, one you often see that evokes jungles right. is the Monstera leaf. And they're really beautiful. They're quite in, in fashion right now, actually. And so one or two Monstera leaves in a single big vase makes a beautiful, simple, graceful arrangement on a kitchen table or on a side table or on a nightstand like we have. What about flowers? Uh, where to begin? <laughs> Let's start with the peonies. Sure. It's a beautiful place to start. Well, I like to buy flowers that are in season in general. So I do love roses, but they're most in season in the summer months. So that's when I tend to really enjoy them the most. But right now we're in spring, so tulips. And then next month, or soon anyways, June is usually peony season. Now peonies are, for those who, who aren't sure, are that big, beautiful, when they're in bud form, they look like a gorgeous snowball. And they're so full of promise. That's why I love them. And when they open, they open huge and wide and big, and they're floppy and fluffy, too. Mm -hmm. They have a real, there's something sweet and playful about them, and they really do invoke the beginnings of summer. I think that's why they're so popular with brides, bouquets, and those types of arrangements. Do they work well in a bouquet or into a, va a vase for, for a flower arrangement? Well, that's actually another really important thing with flower arranging. Certain flowers hold up. So a tulip or a rose is a sturdy flower. It's going to hold up and, and stay there for a good week. A peony is not quite as hardy, which actually sort of adds to its charm, right? You get them when you get them. So you, they have a good two to three week stretch in June, usually. And they'll stay maybe two days in a vase. I see. They don't keep that snowball shape very long. So that's what makes them so precious. And then when they open up, they have a floppy, almost like a lazy dahlia. Oh, I love that. Hmm. What other flowers do you want to talk about? Well, I can talk about dahlias. All right, let's want. do that. So a dahlia is a really big flower, and it usually comes, you'll usually see them mid to end of August. So even into September, they're, they're sort of the last big flower of the summer. So if you go by your seasons, for those of us who are in... A certain zone too, right? Your mm -hmm. zones affect when those flowers come to be. I always try to organize my flower garden that way. So we start with our crocuses. Those Love are the them. first little buds of spring. We move on to those gorgeous tulips. And uh, then, of course, we have the peonies. Don't forget the daffodils. Daffodils, too, although I've, had, I've never had much luck growing them. Um, and then after peonies, generally speaking, you'll get into irises, um, made popular, I think, by Monet. Those beautiful purple flowers or white flowers. Lilies. Yellow sometimes Yellow too, too well, yeah. Lilies then come after the iris. And then after the lily, usually, which could be a tiger lily or a day lily, summer lily, then do you... Do we get, have day lilies? We do, right? We yeah. have, yeah. Yeah, we do. They don't always bud. Okay. Uh, so we'll have sort of the, the, the leaves of them around the fire hydrant out front mm -hmm. in our house, but... Um, At the cottage, they... 
they tend to... We they do very well at the cottage because they need a lot of sun. Oh, I see. That's why they're July's flower. And our friend Dale loves day lilies, doesn't she? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought she did. She's been on the program before. We'll she have her may. Back. I'm not sure. Okay. I'll find out. Um, and so then after all of that, you get your sort of last flowers of the summer. And of course, I'm just picking one of each sure. month. There's lots. But um, so the dahlia is one of the last. And of course, made very popular by the famous black dahlia. Right. Um, but the thing that most people don't know is that a black dahlia is truly actually a red dahlia. Like a deep it velvet is. or... Um, a dark red. Right. You know, um, almost like a blood red right. dahlia. And uh, so a really that really rich, purpley red kind of yeah. hue, that's a black dahlia. And they're a very big flower. They're a very hardy flower. They're a great one for a flower arrangement because they do last a good week or two in, in any vase. A Gerber da daisy is also a great flower for a flower arrangement because they last, correct? They do last. They're very hardy, so they're really... And I should note that they're called Gerber or Gerbera daisies. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, just for those who might get, you know, confused. Um, but they are really popular with wedding bouquets and wedding arrangements, table arrangements, um, because they are so hardy. And you can get them in pretty much any color. Do you use a frog in the bottom of your vase or vase or container when you make flower arrangements? I generally don't. Okay. I prefer, I do have one vase. We should probably vase. explain what a what a frog is. <laughs> so for those who don't know, do you want to explain or do you want me to? Oh, you go for it. So a frog is a little, um, it's a little pad at the bottom of a vase. It could even just be on a plate that you sort of put a little bit of water in, but little spikes sort of jet out of it, stick out of it, almost like little needles. And what happens is it catches on the stem of the flower. So you can actually just put the stem right on it and it will go right into it and hold it upright so you don't need the vessel around it. So right. it almost looks like they're freestanding. They are really... Um, cool. They are really cool and they're really lovely. Um, and I do have one that actually my mom bought me. But generally speaking, we actually have a very simple, I think it, you bought it before we even met, a very simple, thin, white vase. And I love that vase. Oh, do you like that? I do, yeah. It's the the long one, like the wide one? Yeah, so it's, how do I describe it? I would describe it like this. Imagine a really big atlas, the size of an atlas. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it's as thin as um, as a book would be, mm -hmm. but it's as wide as something like an atlas or a big encyclopedia, and so it's it's wide and narrow, mm -hmm. and so when you put flowers in it, they sort of fan out versus bunch out. They do, and what I like about it, I really love it when the flowers sort of pick a side, oh. so that part of it is empty, and then they sort of bunch and sort of cascade over one side. I just think that's lovely. Let me ask you about this. Let's talk about non-traditional containers for your flower arrangements and some that you have used or that you've seen because I know you always enjoy looking at flower arrangements in various magazines that you have. That's true. So um, one thing that I love is to put any type of greenery. So it could be flowers or it could simply be branches, you know, eucalyptus, monstera, as we mentioned, 
Um, I love to take a nice maple branch. We have a maple tree, a Norway maple outside. I love to cut some of those branches and just put them into a vase. So um, in terms of size of vases. Different types of containers. And the reason I bring this up is I think it was you who, who, who did this once and you used beautiful old china cups. I do, yeah. So that's actually 10 years ago what I wanted for my wedding shower were flowers and little sort of china teacups. It had a, I had a teacup sort of theme for that wedding shower. So um, I do love flowers and teacups. I love a grouping of, of branches or flowers in a mason jar. I love mason jars. We have lilacs, beautiful. It's actually probably our most prolific flower that we have here in the house. And um, just outside, we have a gorgeous lilac tree that uh, I think the previous owner of this house planted. And I look forward to that with glee every year. They're so gorgeous and so fleeting. They're beautiful. So I love to cut up lilacs um, and put them in a vase. I don't know. I, I suppose you have some memories of me doing that. Yes, I do. I One of the interesting things about that lilac tree and when you say cut up, you mean just like you didn't plant it, right? No, I didn't. It was really small when we when when I purchased the home. Oh, really? It wasn't really huge at all. It's really big now, and what's beautiful about it is the lilacs sort of bloom in all three stories of the house. Mm -hmm. So we'll get them if you're in you know the top floor and you open the window, lilacs are there. If you're in the kitchen, you open the window, the lilacs are there, and people will walk by. And want to clip our lilac tree. And we've mm -hmm. seen people try to take lilacs off our tree. They don't stand up very well in a vase. My favorite vase for those for those purple, beautiful purple blossoms is a silver pitcher um, that we... A water pitcher, right? That we rescued from our yard sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, $2, but it was from Burke's pure silver, but it was very tarnished. I actually prefer it tarnished. Mm -hmm. For people who don't know what Burke's is, it I would say it's the Canadian equivalent to Tiffany's. Absolutely. The, yeah. the um, jewelry store, whatever it's called. They even sort of share the same kind of color scheme almost. Mm -hmm. So what would your favorite type of flower be then, Marco? Great question. I love, so I love spring for the crocuses. Oh, yeah. When they come out, they just cheer me up and they're so, they're so feisty, I think, because they come out when it's still, sometimes there's even snow on the ground mm -hmm. here in Canada, and you'll see crocuses peeking out of the ground, and they sort of signify more flowers to come. That's right. And they're brave little flowers because they can often get trounced on because they're short, and so if people walk, sometimes you'll see them in, in parks and gardens that are like right on the edge, and people will step on them, and they have to brave that too. So I always find... Um, crocuses to symbolize courage and strength and bravery for me. I love poppies, wild poppies. Oh, I didn't mm -hmm. realize I always, that. I always love poppies. I do have a love for the peonies. And I actually mentioned this in an episode with Kevin, last week's episode, where we took peonies from my mom, my mom's home when she sold it. We took some of her peonies mm -hmm. and we transplanted it to our house. Mm-hmm. And they're finicky, so you could transplant them, but they might not show up for a couple of years. But ours showed up, and they were beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love the peonies because ants help to make them bloom. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're so tightly wound. When you see a peony's bud before it opens up, right? it's almost like a baseball. Like they're so... That's why they're so loved. You know, it's oh, like the most delicate... People love the bud of a peony. Oh, I didn't know that. That's why they're so... 
a peony, most people don't prefer a peony when it's fully bloomed. They prefer either the bud or a half bloom, half bud. Oh, yeah, when you see them in a wedding bouquet, for example, generally speaking, it's sort of half bloomed, half bud. It's not a full bloom there. The peonies requires ants to sort of work their way through it to help open it up because they're so tightly that. wound. Yeah. Well, that makes sense why it's such a small amount of time that they that they come open. Right. I also love, um, I do like the lilac, I have to say, but lavender. Mm. I love the smell. When we walk by lavender um, on people's gardens and stuff, I'll often put my hands on them, not to destroy the flower, but just to get the scent on my hand. And I love that. You know more about lavender than I do. Uh, mm. We've both we both spent some time in France, but I think you spent more time in that area of France. Provence is really yeah. uh, well known for uh, lavender, as as is Tuscany in Italy. Right. Uh, both areas, and I love lavender for several reasons. One, it's such a beautiful looking flower. Two, the scent, and three, it's so versatile c- c- because you can use it in cooking and in flavoring things. And I have a particular tea. So funny, we come back to tea that is flavored with lavender, and I just absolutely love it. I've always loved the scent. It's interesting because some people love the scent but aren't as accustomed to eating it. It tastes like, you know, they're used to it being in soaps and bath salts and oils mm. and things. So then to to eat it, 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 for some people, they get a little tripped up on it. Do you know your um, flower for your month of birth? Well, my month is September. Right. I can tell you mine, and it's a pretty easy guess since I'm a December baby, or I was born in December, I'm no longer a baby, is the poinsettia. So that's my flower of the month. You are September. An aster is September's birth flower, I just found out. And also the morning glory. And uh, do you like either of those flowers? Uh, The aster is sort of like a glorified daisy. It's pretty. I prefer a daisy. The morning glory is really pretty. It's sort of a trumpet-looking flower. Um, I enjoy those flowers. I have to say neither one is my favorite. Okay. Which is your favorite? Of all flowers? Of all flowers. If you could have, I don't know, if, I mean, what flower brings you the a most joy? beautiful garden? Yeah, or? sure. Oh, that's really hard. Um, I actually love allium. Oh, yes. Which is... Allium is sort of a broad term for anything in the garlic family. Onion family, right? Yeah, onion, onion garlic. garlic yeah. The, those bulbs are all considered alliums. Okay. But generally speaking, in the flower world, mm-hmm. when you say allium, what you're talking about is that big purple snowball, sort of, with that long, thick green stem. Um, so I do love an allium. Okay. I really do. Taking a walk through a garden, tell me about... The British Garden, which I lo- I know you love, right? <laughs> what makes what makes a British Garden one of your favorite? Well, it's it's traditionally called an English garden. Oh, sorry, that's what I meant to say. Oh, <laughs> well, I only say it because it's there's probably people who say a British garden. I'm, I'm glad you say it because we have so many listeners from the UK that probably just all simultaneously rolled their eyes when I said but that. But I don't know that they would call it an English garden necessarily. They just call it our garden. It My might garden. just be. Well, and the other interesting thing about the term garden in the UK, my understanding is from all the TV that I watch, they will call a backyard a garden. So mm. any patch of sort of land or grass 
behind a house will be referred to as a garden, usually. Sure. At least on British real estate shows, it mm-hmm. always is. Which you love to watch. Which I do love to watch, as do you. But um, in our neck of the woods, we will call it a yard, the backyard. Our backyard is a deck, so we just say out on the deck. Um, and what, what, what flowers or plants do well on our deck? That's a great question. Um, but I do want to go back to the English garden. Our money tree, when we take it out, does pretty well out on the deck. I always put palms. I just buy really big, fun, summery, tropical palms and put them out there. Three or four big ones out there, and they do really well out mm-hmm. there. Um, and now I've lost that question. About the English garden. Oh, what makes an English garden an Or English what makes garden? you love an English garden? Let's, let's word it like that. The thing is about an English garden, or what... What springs to mind when one says an English garden is this sort of beautiful, um, slightly wild variety of wildflowers um, sort of teeming together. So instead of having neatly planted rows, you would have roses, you would definitely have poppies, you would uh, maybe have stephanotis. Which I love. Yeah. You might have, um, let me think of some other That would ones. probably be the difference. Like that would be a notable difference from the English garden to, let's say, a Japanese garden, which is much right. more sort of structured and rose. Cornflowers. Anything in the cornflower family is big with an English garden. Like um, echinacea is a type of cornflower. And uh, anything that would bring... Butterflies and bumblebees, to me, that's sort of that teeming, colorful, slightly wild idea. There's something really beautiful and romantic about that. Sure. So another plant that we haven't talked about that I think we we must is the gorgeous calla lily. Oh, yes. Your mother loves calla lilies. And in fact, every year, you and I um, would have a process of digging up the bulbs of the calla lily to save. For winter, yes. Yeah, so when winter would come, we'd dig up those bulbs every year, bring them in, and then every spring bring them back out. Not just the calla lily, the canna lily too, the ones that Mm -hmm. would grow really tall. Mm -hmm. And we have to do that here because they'll freeze if we keep them in the container over the winter. So we, we dig them up, sort of shake the dirt loose from it so that they're as dry as they possibly can, and then put them on newspaper and in boxes Mm -hmm. and store them in cold or cool storage and then bring them out and plant them again for the following year. And they tend to, what I love about those kind of lilies, canna, calla lilies, anything in that family is the bulbs will double or they'll, more will appear every year. That's right. And I love that. Another um, flower that I think has become really really trendy in the last 10 years, uh, 20 years even, is the ranunculus. Now, Which one's that one? That's one that you've seen, but you probably don't know the name of. It's in a lot of wedding bouquets, and it looks like a very, very tightly wound um, circular rose, almost like a mini peony in a way, but like a circular tightly round wound rose okay lots of petals like a peony you kind of want it before it has its full bloom so it has that sort of tightly wound compartmentalized kind of beauty so ranunculus are ones that are really really 
popular right now as well. Well, as we get to the last few moments of this episode, any other flowers we may have missed that you want to mention, Amanda? Um, yeah, I think we should maybe just give a little shout out to delphiniums, oh. pansies, daisies, your mother's favorite flower and her wedding flower. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love a little June daisy? Sure. Well, we'll end it with that, a little June daisy. Thank you for listening, Amanda. Thank you for being on this episode. I'll talk about flowers any day. If there's a topic that you want to hear, if you want to hear more on flowers, you let us know. We'll be happy to explore your favorite flower, and we'll take a walk through other gardens if you'd like. Until then, we hope that this episode brought you some calm and peace, and we hope you were able to listen and sleep.